I'm Joshua Kagey from The Christian Citizen, and this is episode 38 of Justice, Mercy, Faith. Today, in what has become an annual tradition for this podcast, we're bringing you three Advent reflections from members of the American Baptist Home Mission Society staff. First, Christian Citizen editor Curtis Ramsey Lucas reads his essay, A Holy Saturday Faith This Advent and Christmas. Then, Jennifer Sanborn, Program Director of ABHMS's In Support of Excellence initiative, reminds us how God helps prepare the way. And we conclude with a reflection from Judson Press publisher Laura Alden with her essay, A 2020 Christmas. Curtis Ramsey Lucas is the editor of The Christian Citizen and The Christian Citizen Weekly, and the host of Justice, Mercy, Faith. His recent book, In This Together, Ministry in Times of Crisis is available now from JudsonPress.com or wherever you buy books. Here he is now with his reflection, A Holy Saturday Faith, This Advent and Christmas. One recent Friday evening, I went for a walk in the rain. At the end of a difficult day and following a long week working from home with my children engaged in remote learning, I needed some time alone to clear my head. My neighborhood was dark, but for the occasional streetlight and houses decorated with Christmas lights glistening in the cold rain. As one mile became two, I pondered the darkness between the lights and the absence of God. Perhaps Nietzsche was right when he said God is dead, though not in the sense that we have outgrown our capacity for devotion to God or gods or even to things that stand in for the divine. Human beings remain remarkably religious, capable of devotion to many things, including and apart from God. After all, many remain devoted to the kingdoms and concerns of this world, politics, party, ideology, philosophy, markets, family, money, career, whether or not they also claim citizenship in a kingdom not of this world a kingdom of heaven that is now and not yet, that in Christ has come and is coming. Perhaps, however, Nietzsche was right in a more deeply theological sense. For in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, in between the crucifixion and the resurrection, God is dead. While not as widely observed in Protestant churches as Good Friday and Easter Sunday, Holy Saturday recalls this suspended state between crucifixion and resurrection. With the coronavirus pandemic, Holy Saturday has, for me, taken on a deeper meaning that extends beyond the boundaries of its observance during Holy Week. Just as an Easter faith celebrates the resurrection each Sunday, a Holy Saturday faith suspended between the bad news of the crucifixion and the good news of the resurrection might have significance beyond Holy Week in a world similarly suspended between death and life. One of the pandemic challenges with which I wrestle is the monotony of everyday existence. Days run into each other with little transition between home and office, much less distinction between personal and professional life. For my children, life remains similarly structured, but without definition or differentiation. 
Saturdays bring a break from the routine of online classes and meetings, but not from being in the space in which that work has been done each week. The need to get out, go somewhere, and do something different from the daily routine is constrained by sensible precautions to mitigate the spread of the coronavirus and protect public health. Advent and Christmas intrude on this monotony, an annual reminder that God has acted and is acting to redeem from insignificance, in Auden's words, our everyday routines, the bills to be paid, machines to be kept in repair. Within the shadows of contemporary life and the growing gloom of a pandemic resulting in so much death and grief, These holy days remind us that the word who became flesh and dwelt among us dwells among us still. That Emmanuel, God with us, is with us still and will come again in the fullness of time to redeem not only the monotony of our everyday routines, but time itself and us. God understands the bleakness of our days and the sadness and sorrow of life touched by suffering and death. Before his birth, Jesus' parents were compelled by a distant emperor to make a difficult journey to the town of their ancestors to register for a census. Jesus was born in the darkness of a cave in the distant province of a sprawling empire now long since fallen. Following his birth, to protect him from the murderous decree of a jealous king, Jesus' family fled to the land that had enslaved his ancestors. Jesus grew to know the fullness of life's joy and sorrow, beauty and ugliness. He felt the sting of betrayal and the denial of those closest to him. He felt the pain of rejection. He knew temptation, suffering, and death. And at his moment of maximum peril, the crisis of being forsaken by God, his father. The good news is not that God will spare us suffering, pain, and death. Rather, it is that God will be with us through it all. As the psalmist reminds us, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help, not escape from that which troubles our days. When I returned home, the rain falling harder than before, I looked at the Christmas lights on my own house, beautiful in their own way, straining against the deepening darkness of winter. God has acted and is acting to redeem from insignificance the monotony of our everyday routines, and more than this, to redeem us. Holy Saturday. Merry Christmas. Jennifer Sanborn is Program Director of In Support of Excellence, American Baptist Home Mission Society's financial literacy program for clergy and lay leaders. She joins us today reading her essay, Prepare. I'm really, really hot, my 15-year-old son said as he stood over my side of the bed. Our trusty thermometer confirmed a fever. Get back in bed, I instructed. I'll get the Tylenol and call school. It was December 2019, and we had a week plus of Advent and Christmas plans ahead of us. 
haircuts, special meals, a traditional performance and concert we look forward to each year, and the pinnacle, Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. While one celebration is in a church sanctuary and the other in the sanctuary of our home, both are sacred for our family. It's our favorite time of year. Sickness wasn't in the plans. A few days later, my husband said, I don't feel so well holding his head. As our son emerged from the fever-ridden haze, my husband entered. I blew up the air mattress in my home office and prepared for a day or two of isolating from one another, not yet realizing I would be sleeping on the floor camping style for more than a week. I strategically counted the hours we would need to be fever-free to make our holiday engagements, then sadly excused us from our commitments one by one. Christmas Eve was the most disappointing call to make. I had been invited to read the passage from John at Lessons and Carols. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. My disappointment was palpable, and I could feel my inner light growing dim. Two days before Christmas, as my husband felt worse instead of better, we visited the after-hours emergency service at our physician's office. The waiting room was filled with aching, miserable patients. Though I had no symptoms, I grabbed a mask for myself as well as my husband, and we settled in for a long, uncomfortable wait. Flu B, the doctor confirmed 24 hours later. The last of our company was called off, and masks became a fixture in our house. On Christmas Eve, we live-streamed a service from one of the few large congregations who made such offerings available and glumly imagined the warmth of the full sanctuary, the light piercing the darkness as it was passed candle to candle during silent night. On Christmas morning, we opened gifts with my sister and nephew on Zoom. Our big gift for our kids was a t trip to Toronto, Ontario, to put our newly printed passports to use and finally see the musical Hamilton. Our planned departure date? March 18, 2020. Recognizable now as the week much of the United States, Canada, and the world shut down to stop the stealthy spread of the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. Fevers, masks, separate quarters isolated from one another in our own home, no family visitors, virtual worship, we had no idea that December 2019 was a mere rehearsal for all of 2020, and that soon each and every one of these aberrations would be the world's new normal. Instead of candles, last year's light came in the form of small miracles. In a house of four, only two became ill. In a time when separation was wise for our well-being, we had the gift of technology to connect us to family elsewhere. Our big gift might not ultimately have delivered the adventure we intended, but when Hamilton was released in a film version on Disney Plus this summer, our family popped popcorn, turned up the volume, and welcomed a touch of Christmas in July. We had food to lovingly prepare and enjoy together. We filled our home with music, the essence of the Christmas season for me. 
And for some reason, during Advent last year, I felt compelled to put up not one Christmas tree, but two, with a live tree in our living room and our usual artificial tree lit up and decorated right in the middle of our bedroom. Though the idea was audacious at its inception, in the end, it was pure wisdom. My sick husband, largely quarantined to our room, was still able to look at the lights and treasured family ornaments. We could not have imagined, during a week of dissolved plans and changed traditions, that we had the capacity for many months of living with similar conditions. But as we approach Christmas in 2020, we already know where to look for the light. We have renewed appreciation for the gift of meaningful work. Daily, we breathe a prayer of thanksgiving for resources we previously took for granted. Groceries, pharmaceuticals, even toilet paper. And we see the too often invisible labors that provide these. Technology is a source of constant connection. And though each of us in our family hungers for physical presence, we have also embraced differently embodied experiences of friendship, work, learning, and worship in this extended season. We even play bi-coastal multi-house Yahtzee on Zoom. We now know the burdensome marks of Christmas a year ago, masks and time apart, our gifts from God, and a tangible way to love our neighbors. Unbeknownst to us, God was preparing us a year ago for a season of birthing that would be, and still is, profoundly difficult. When I read the Song of Mary now, in the midst of this pandemic, my longing is not for the return of Christmas past. I believe we are laboring together for a world where the hungry are filled, unjust rulers removed from their thrones, and the humble raised to places of honor. I remember anew that the light we pass is symbolic of the call to radically redistribute God's resources in the world. We aren't yet holding that newborn life in our arms, but the midwife has asked us to breathe deeply and feel for when it's time to push. We are preparing the way. Laura Alden is publisher of Judson Press at American Baptist Home Mission Societies. Here she is reflecting on A 2020 Christmas. Bisected by jagged golden streaks, the smooth green book jacket jars the eye. As if to answer the question, the publisher notes that these visible veins represent cracks mended using the Japanese art of kintsugi or golden repair. Rather than piecing together broken pottery to conceal fractures, Kintsugi reconnects shattered shards with powdered gold and lacquer. Jagged edges are highlighted, claimed, made beautiful as part of a restored whole. That is what I want for Christmas, a world put back together after 2020, ruptures repaired, fault lines defined, 
but not yawning open to spew the fear, hatred, injustice, and illness just below the fabric of our relationships and social structures. Of course, my son would point out and does. I can wish this so simplistically because I am a middle-class, straight white woman, employed, educated, over 50, and then some, a recipient of the many benefits of race, age, class, and traditional gender categories. I have benefited from the status quo, cracks and all. And while I know 2020 has been labeled as unprecedented in its racial injustice, economic disparity, and ideological conflict in the middle of an ongoing pandemic, the years prior to 2020 were not without these realities for the majority of the world's population, our country, and our communities included. Asking for a world or a segment of it, a neighborhood, a family, even for individual hearts and minds to be restored, is a pretty big Christmas wish, maybe by New Year's. It is not a new idea to consider Advent, Christmas, and the New Year as an annual reset, a chance to begin again to repair the broken pieces of our lives. But it may be time to rethink how we are to make our way forward in such a time as this. Clear-eyed and determined, wielding glazing kits, sewing kits, whatever tools we can muster. We are a people of hope, after all. And no matter the rancor and outrage and sorrow and fear of this year, a light is coming. True. The light may be harder to see in the shadow of so much uncertainty. As church leaders, we may not literally be visible in our communities, tied as we have been to physical buildings. Perhaps it is good for those who focus on spiritual life to learn to live without such physical boundaries. Can we redirect resources for a common cause of justice in our community? Can we identify efforts that make an ongoing difference and are not just a one-shot toss into a beleaguered neighborhood? What will I do differently as an individual? Spend as much as ever on people I won't even see, on things they probably do not need? Also true, the tidings of great joy may be a bit muffled this year. There is no replacing singing the songs and carols of Christmas. Could it be that this is our year to listen instead of sing? In one of last summer's smaller protests, I saw an acquaintance standing with a sign that said simply, Listen. I knew the sign bearer to be one who worked at Koinonia Farms in the early 1980s, who had some experience of what it means to listen to another. Maybe masks are good not just for our health, but for a listening stance. Still, you may ask, what about the feasting? Ah, there's the rub. That Advent dinner, the neighborhood cookie swap, the special family foods, those tastes and smells are what we will secretly miss the most. Thinking beyond ourselves, 
that may also be the case for those who are alone or separated from their loved ones, not just this year, but often or even always. A phone call, a text, a note, a food drop, or a donation to a food bank can go a long way toward filling the empty places in all of our bodies and souls. There is no denying that the sights, sounds, tastes, smells, and feelings of the season will surely be affected by all that has happened in 2020. The question is whether we will allow ourselves, our expectations, entitlements, efforts to be affected too. Will we be changed? Will we allow 2020 to make us more aware of the actions we need to take for the sake of the underrepresented and vulnerable among us? I can't help but think of John Lewis, another loss of this year. Maybe we can get into some good trouble this Advent and Christmas season. What would the 12 days of Christmas trouble be like? As we wend and mend our way through Advent and toward Christmas, the challenge of repairing the body and soul damage of 2020 in redemptive life-giving ways urges us on. However creative and altruistic, our attempts to seal the fissures, the cracks in the world won't be perfect or done this year or next year either. But as we reconnect the edges of our lives and reach out to others in new ways, a light will shine through the half-healed breaks and wounds, both our own and those of others. As the babe born in the manger is again born in us, we can turn toward the star that leads us into the future and to the healing that we will achieve together. At The Christian Citizen, we're passionate about justice, mercy, and faith. We produce award-winning content that is provocative, timely, and relevant. What started 25 years ago as a print publication is now a digital-first publication that maintains a commitment to print. More recently, we've added a weekly e-newsletter, this podcast, and a growing presence on social media. Now, for the first time, we're adding a member support program. Christian Citizen Ambassadors. Learn more about how you can support our work at christiancitizen.us slash members. Thank you to this week's guests, Jennifer Sanborn and Laura Alden. Our theme music is Believable Too by Peter Sandberg. The Christian Citizen is edited by Curtis Ramsey Lucas and is a publication of the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. The show, website, and newsletter are produced by myself, Joshua Kagi. Stories are copy edited by Hannah Estefanos. Our art director is Danny Ellison. The Christian Citizen editorial board is Dr. Jeffrey Hagre, Laura Alden, Susan Gottschall, Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, the Reverend Salvador Oriana, the Reverend Dr. Marilyn Turner Triplett, and the Reverend Cassandra Karkoff Williams. And our advisors are Sherilyn Crow, the Reverend Kimberly Payton Jones, the Reverend Stephen D. Martin, the Reverend Marvin A. McMickle, and the Reverend Harold Dean. To learn more about The Christian Citizen, visit our website, christiancitizen.us. That concludes this episode of Justice, Mercy, Faith. Thanks for listening, and Merry Christmas.